Welcome to How We Win. All over the country, people are doing extraordinary things, and we all know action is the best antidote for anxiety. Today, while the GOP has made its platform of sedition official, we mm. gear up for the midterms with some maybe sort of encouraging redistricting news. And joining us for our interview are all three co-hosts of the wildly popular and influential Midas Touch podcast. They're going to tell us how their little quarantine project they started mobilized the Midas Mighty and helped win elections. That's right. All of that, plus our reasons for hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And and this this is How How We Win. Win. Another week, Mariah. Welcome back to How We Win. <laughs> We're still here. Still winning. I'm very so excited. Much winning. We're still winning. We are winning some. We win some. We lose some. This this work, uh, as we know, is um, is part of the work of being a citizen. And um, that's right. We don't we don't get everything that we want all at once. That would be no fun. Right? That would be too easy. That's just like. You know, playing the game on the beginner level all the time. You know, you got to take your licks and get up and keep fighting again. You know, I never thought of it that way. It's helpful. I mean, saying it's no fun when we're talking about, (laughs) you know, the fall of our democracy potentially and the very real issues that so many people in America have to deal with day in, day out is flippant. I know, but y'all know what I'm saying. You get the spirit of what I'm saying. I do. I do. And and this this week, every week is a reminder of how important that work is. We're starting by talking about this bizarre take that the GOP is trying out. They've had so many kind of attempts at messaging around January 6th, 2021, none successful. Um, and, And this week they're going with legitimate political discourse. The Republican Party on Friday officially declared the January 6th attack on the Capitol and the events that led up to it legitimate political discourse. Uh, They did this while rebuking two lawmakers in the party, in the Republican Party, who have been the most outspoken in condemning the deadly riot and the role of Donald J. Trump in spreading the election lies that fueled it. Of course, that's Liz Cheney and um, Adam Kinzinger. And uh, at a meeting in Salt Lake City, they uh, censured those two Republicans for their role, uh, the roles in the commission. On Friday, the party went further in a resolution slamming Ms. Cheney and Mr. Kinzinger for taking part in the House investigation of the assault, saying they were participating in persecutions of ordinary mm. citizens, once again, engaged in legitimate political discourse. It's my God, those poor people who broke into the Capitol and and ran amok in there. They're they're being persecuted, Steve. We talk all the time about Republicans saying the quiet part out loud, but this is really like the GOP's platform is sedition. I mean, they're not even hiding their complicity in the rise of fascism. And I don't say that lightly because I really There's a big part of me that still wants us to be able to reach across the aisle, that still wants us to have a functioning 
two-party system where, uh, where we have a, a battle for the best ideas to mutually make our country better. And uh, we've been so far away from that for a long time. But they just made it official with this statement. I mean they made it official back at their convention when they didn't adopt a party platform. The party platform was whatever Trump wants. They you know, right. you know but uh, it's, it's uh, still just – Jaw dropping, and and I hate for it to be like a an us against them kind of battle, uh, you know. But that's what it is. I mean, y- you can't look at the video and the truth and and what happened on January sixth and say that's legitimate political discourse. It's it's bananas and scary, and and we really have our work cut out for us. We know what we have ahead of us, and and uh, and I hope that um, I, I think they will. But I hope Democrats continue to uh, remind people of this and run on this in the midterms, because uh, once again, we are faced with the most important election of our lives. That's right. Um, yes, it's very bizarre when there are facts available to everyone and. Um, People ignore them. It's very strange. Um, Really mixed bag uh, about redistricting this week. Democrats had overwhelmingly a lot of victories um, when it came to redistricting this year. Um, But but still some some troubling stuff going on. We got got some work to do on this redistricting business. We do. from Dave Wasserman and and the Cook Political Report on Thursday, New York became the 30th state to adopt a new congressional map. And although several states are still subject to court challenge, the redistricting process is now about two thirds over. And owing to acrobatic gerrymanders in Illinois and New York, uh, which is a generous term, as well as favorable <laughs> court developments in Alabama, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, Democrats have taken a small lead in our redistricting projections for the first time all cycle. Democrats are now on track to net two to three seats from new maps alone, a significant shift. But a 42% president Biden approval rating could still equate to several dozen losses in November, and Republicans remain overall favorites for the House majority, according to Dave Wasserman. I don't buy it. We're going to do it because we're going to organize the hell out of this. But um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stuff hasn't uh, been decided yet. Like like he said, about two-thirds has been decided and there was some uh, typically disappointing uh, Supreme Court decision in, on their shadow docket yesterday as well. Yeah, the, the court um, blocked an Alabama stay on gerrymandered maps. So the, the, the current gerrymandered map in Alabama is going to be here for the midterm. It's looking like the problem with this is um, this map has created only one majority black congressional district in the st- in a state that is over 25% black. Yeah. Um, so it's um, very alarming, um, but also clearly map drawn in, in Republican favor and not a representative map at all. Chief Justice John Roberts and the three liberals on the court objected to this. The five conservative, consistently conservative justices uh, were the ones that halted 
the the decision. So it, again, this is Roberts just like joining the the liberal dissenters. Yeah, but this is just you know uh, writings on the wall about the Supreme Court and the direction that that we're headed in with them. Um, and this is just this is just one more thing. One more thing, and it opens up uh, what will be um, a decision that will have a big impact on the Voting Rights Act uh, right. and even further one. So they didn't block the decision altogether. They said that we're going to hear the case, but they blocked mm-hmm. the decision while they're waiting to hear the case. And um, and, and Robert's, means- dis- Robert's dissent was essentially uh, we could have let that decision stand and while we're waiting to hear the case, but – but it won't, and it will, it will probably, you know, it could have an impact on the terms. So. It will. It, it yeah. for sure will. So yeah. um, got some work to do in Alabama and everywhere else. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, just some super frustrating and sad news out of Minneapolis, um, where last week police officers executed a no-knock warrant. They keyed into an apartment and startled um, Amir Locke, a 22-year-old black man who was asleep on the couch. It was like 6.30 in the morning. Um, And when he saw people entering the apartment, he reached for his legal handgun and was immediately shot and killed by the police. Um, As a result of this, Minneapolis has temporarily halted the use of no-knock warrants um, as they look into this. And as we all know, you know, this is what has some very similar to what happened with Breonna Taylor right. in Kentucky. No knock warrant, police bursting into an apartment and start shooting. Um, it's very similar to the story of Philando Castile, who was a black man near Minneapolis who had a legal handgun, told police he had a legal handgun. And when they saw it, they shot him and killed him. Um, so this no-knock warrant business is a huge issue. Um, Minneapolis is bringing in DeRay McKesson, um, an activist who people who listen to our podcast have heard him on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, as well as a professor from Kentucky. We're going to work uh, potentially on changing the policy um, as they did in Louisville, Kentucky, where Breonna Taylor was killed. Um, and just a flag that if the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act had passed in Congress, it would have banned certain types of no-knock warrants and ideally would have had a trickle-down effect on this policy. Um, We needed that bill passed. It was a tragedy that 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 didn't happen. Um, But just another example of the drastic police reform we need in this country and who is going to pay the price um, until we get it. And, you know, a 22-year-old Black man who's doing everything that you're supposed to be able to do in this country um, is the latest victim. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would like to say that it's, it's a hopeful good sign that the police department has invited uh, DeRay and, and Peter Kraska to come work with them on this issue. But like you said, we need federal legislation on this. Um, and, uh, you know, sadly, the Minneapolis 
police department is among the worst in the country when it uh, comes to these kinds of incidents. I saw a, uh, a graph, I think, last week that was talking about the uh, proportion of uh, black men who are killed at the hands of the Minneapolis police department, and it is um, it's bad everywhere. It's bad all over our country, but it's uh, you know like way worse in Minneapolis. That that police department has some serious serious problems. So I'm glad they're bringing in some activists and experts to work with them. And uh, I gotta have a little hope that that's a step that you know probably wouldn't have happened a few years ago, um, but. Uh, like you said, we need legislation passed on this. We need police reform now. Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about, uh, um, you know, DeRay's kind of a hero of mine, and uh, and we ought to have him back <laughs> on nice, the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's hear about your hero of the week, Mariah. Okay, my um, I have here multiple heroes of the week. It's um, a co- collective group of people. That's women's rights activists in Afghanistan this week. Um, the Taliban has been cracking down on on demonstrations and public commentary from women in Afghanistan over the. I, I mean, since the Taliban's been around, but in particular over the last few weeks, you know. Um, since the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, we've seen the Taliban really step up efforts to be seen as a legitimate governing body that governments around the world can and should work with. Um, at the same time, they um, have this brutal crackdown that word is starting to leak out about where a number of women's rights activists have disappeared in recent days and have not been heard from. Mm. Um, Others have been followed. They've been intimidated. Um, I just want people to remember, you know, uh, we pulled out of Afghanistan months ago and you don't hear about what's happening there in part because it's hard to get information out. And also in part because a a lot of really awful things are happening there. we have to remember that the threat to women there is still there and still real. And we have to um, encourage our government to find ways to support the women in this country, which is what we were doing uh, and what our, our commitment was when we had military involvement in Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, uh, those women, anyone who stands up to uh, in, in the face of that kind of oppression is uh, is definitely a hero worthy of, of recognition and, as you said, uh, our help. So thank you for Absolutely. bringing that to, to light and, and reminding us about that. Sure. A little bit of a heavy week. We usually are, you know, but I, I think we have we have some hopeful stuff coming up, including our, our interview, which is very um fun and hopeful to listen to, and also very relevant to our to-do list this week. Absolutely. I'm very excited about, uh, first of all, the the Midas guys, the Midas brothers are um, so fun. They're so smart. They have Mm -hmm. uh, like three very interesting backgrounds that have just kind of come together to create this uh, new behemoth of a progressive 
media entity. And and one thing that they're really doubling down on and doing even bigger for the midterms of this cycle is uh, finding ways for their followers to get into action and do meaningful work. So um, our call to action for you, our to-do list for you today, is just to sign up at the Midas Touch website. That's M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H dot com, MidasTouch.com, and, uh, and sign up for their newsletter. So not only will you get some great, uh, you know, breaking news items that you can amplify, you can join uh, the Midas Mighty on social media and help amplify these important messages but um, you'll also have some uh, some things to do, calls to action from them as well. So uh, that's your to-do list. It's a pretty simple one. All you have to do is sign up for a mailing list. And I know your email <laughs> box may be a little cluttered. So, you know, go in there and unsubscribe from like Urban Outfitters to make room <laughs> for uh, Midas Touch. There goes our future's ad with Urban Outfitters. <laughs> <laughs> Which who I, who I love. I love Urban Outfitters and, and they have great clothes at fair prices. So, um, you know, definitely shop there. But uh, uh, no, this is, this is, uh, they're, uh, they're so fun and inspiring and just like the perfect example, like you were saying, of figuring out um, like what you do well and what you're excited about and how that applies to uh, political activism. Um, so highly recommend the newsletter and you can hear more of their story in just a second, our interview, and then we'll talk about our reasons for hope. Midas Touch is a pro-democracy, next-generation super PAC founded by three siblings and lifelong Democrats with the primary goals of protecting American democracy, defeating Trumpism, and holding Republicans accountable. Since their inception in April 2020, they have amassed an energized and engaged Twitter army of hundreds of thousands of followers, garnered over... This isn't a typo. One billion online impressions <laughs> and help Democrat win the 2020 presidential in Georgia runoff elections. All three brothers, Ben, wow. Brett and Jordy Micellus, join us today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Great Thanks to be for here. having us. <laughs> this is quite the panel we have for our show right now. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the most guests we've ever we, had. We have it down, though. We're used to doing it on our show. We know how to toss it to each other. We know the signs. You know, we, we have that, you know, language that we could speak with each other without even saying anything. Oh, great. So. You're going to show us up because Mariah and I just step on each other constantly. It's just we it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, well, I wish, that, I wish that we could release this video. We're on Zoom. We're all on video. The, the branding is next level. It's amazing. <laughs> Midas, Midas, Midas. <laughs> In case you were wondering who we were talking to. Um, uh, we love to get people's origin stories. So I want you guys to think way back to quarantine, the beginning of quarantine when we still thought, you know, 14 days, maybe. 14 days uh, it, to slow the spread. Right. And then it was it was starting to become clear that, that it would be a little bit longer. Everybody was on Zoom. It set up their personality backgrounds, their Zoom rooms <laughs> in their bed or their office or, or whatever. Um, you guys decide to launch 
what did you call it at the time? And, and where did you envision it going? So we called it at the time Midas Touch. We weren't mm-hmm. sure what we were doing or where it was going, but we knew that we wanted to do something. And so my background as a civil rights lawyer, Brett's background as a digital editor and running digital for major television programs. Emmy award winning. Yeah. Oh, Emmy award winning. You did it. I was going to do it, but you did it too. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> and Jordy award winning marketer out of New York. Um, we were quarantined. We were home. We started text messing each other. We said we got to do something. And so we just put together a blog that became videos that really resonated with people. So we came up with the name Midas Touch, which, you know, isn't in terms of the names of political action committees. It's not exactly like the Foundation for Democracy or something like that, you know, (laughs) and it comes from our it comes from our last names. um, And. You know, we just started making a video and the first video got a million views. The next video got a few million views and it really connected with people. We've now done hundreds of videos over 2 billion views of our videos. And we don't even keep track of the impressions anymore because it's 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 in the, the many, many billions of impressions. But we just keep churning out content that we think is impactful and resonates. And that's where it takes us, our fight for democracy, our fight for the political party that supports democracy, wherever that takes us. If that's podcasts, we make podcasts. If it's videos, Mm -hmm. it's videos. If it's songs, we make songs. If it's artwork, we Mm. make paintings. And so we've brought together this collective of people to do all of those things. You know, uh, your all story is like my favorite in volunteers and activists and, and, you know, just people who weren't necessarily involved in politics and just, you know, had some skills and came together to do something ended up, you know, blowing up and making a huge impact. And uh, I think it's safe to say, uh, well, I don't I don't have to say it. You just said it, you know, that the response to your videos has way uh, surpassed what you imagined it would be. Um, as you've developed your voice in this space um, and the videos, um, has messaging tweaked? Have you have you responded to like uh, the viral nature of them? What people are really um, excited about? I know that you had Anat Shankarasario on your show recently, who is you know one of my messaging gurus. Um, you know, are you coordinating with any other people to, you know, have a, a galvanized message? How do you come up with the communications you use? Well, we, you know, try a lot of different strategies. At first, it was very much off the cuff of what we sort of, you know, thought we needed out there. And as Ben said, we started as a blog. So we started really just kind of writing our thoughts and hoping that somebody would care about what we had to say, um, because we were just so worried about the country. And at that point, I think my uh, biggest level of political experience was listening to Pod Save America. Mm-hmm. That, was about, <laughs> that, that was about it. Um, but we, we started making these videos and it was clear that we were tapping into a void. And, you know, a lot of people talk about democratic messaging and, you know, most people don't have very positive things to say about democratic messaging. But it was clear that there was something about our videos that was resonating with people. And I think it was because we weren't being told kind of by consultants or anybody like what to say. Um, It was really just kind of what we felt and what we felt other people should feel and, and know about things going on. And so in the beginning, I think a lot of our success was as much of telling people 
or turning down advice from people as it was taking advice from people. Like when, once we started mm. going and we had a lot of people kind of, this is very early on, like, you know, we started late March, 2020 by end of April, early May, we had groups reaching out who wanted to do us videos for it or throwing ideas at us or whatever. And we had a lot of honestly really horrible ideas come our way <laughs> um, about how we should take the direction of, of stuff. And even people who, um, you know, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but we had people. I who, mean, you could. <laughs> <laughs> who would come to us and say, you know, your, your organization would be more effective if you called yourself the F Trump organization, the F Trump. And we're like, that's so corny. Oh. Like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> no, like we're not, we're not doing that. And we had some people say like, you know, I wouldn't call Republicans, you know, autocrats, or I wouldn't call it fascism, and I wouldn't call it this. And we were like, but that's how we, that's where we see this going. So like, you know, yeah. I don't want to, we're not going to self-censor ourselves if we don't have to self-censor ourselves. But we had a lot of stuff that really did help us inform our things. And very early on, Ben interviewed people in cults and people mm. who were engaged in culty programming. And that sort of research of, of talking to people who have been able to actually help people get out of those bubbles, which are as strong as you could get if you're actually in the Moonies, for example, which is one of the people mm -hmm. who, who Ben spoke to. And research like that helped inform our videos. I think the fact that sort of Ben's an attorney and uh, not sort of Ben is an attorney. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and when you're an attorney, you have to make a case. And so all of our videos were like mini indictments that we laid out um, making the case as to why, you know, you should not support this person or why you should support this person. So I think that informed us, you know, very strongly, too. And I'm sure I'm sure Ben also has other memories from early on about, uh, you know, kind of advice and things we got. Yeah, I, I think, look, everything Brett said, we wanted to make the case that each of the videos is a story. And I think we kind of shook up the political advertising world a little bit and how these videos, they look like movie trailers and they're very engaging, mm -hmm. but they contain a lot of information in it. But going from the Donald Trump messaging to Trumpism has been the biggest pivot um, right. because Trumpism itself is permeated and you see it what's going on in Virginia now with Glenn Youngkin and the people he's installed in power. We see it in Florida with DeSantis. We see it, frankly, with all the Republican senators and pretty much 98% of the Republican Congress members, mm -hmm. um, you know, short of maybe one or two who are on the January 6th committee. And so it's calling out this, but also making it clear in our videos and in our content that it's not a small group of people anymore that embody this radicalism. It is the mm. entire Republican Party has been overtaken by extremism, and they are the party of Matt Gates, of Marjorie Taylor Greene, of Lauren Boebert, of Governor DeSantis. These are who they are. And so it's just calling that out. I appreciate you guys going back and, and really kind of talking about how your authenticity and individual expertise sort of informs this. Um, let's say that people aren't familiar with you and want to jump into Midas Touch. You have so many sort of platforms and, and ways in. Where do you recommend people start? Is it the podcast, the viral videos, the Twitter feed? What is you all's favorite platform the spicy to Twitter engage feed. with people? This is a very spicy Twitter feed. <laughs> no, that's, that, that, that's a great one right there. And I, from a marketing perspective, right, I think the word authenticity often gets thrown out there from big brands, right? Oh, we want to appear authentic to, you know, to our audience, to, to our consumers or whatever. That was a very conscious decision that we made from the jump 
right? As Midas Touch, we knew that if we were gonna pursue this thing as full force as we are, we're gonna need to show everyone our personalities. You know, we need a face behind this. So many of these other organizations are kind of faceless. You don't know who's running what. And so yeah. we just really want to connect with people in such a different way. So when we also made that decision, we made the decision to your point to show up on all of the platforms. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. So uh, my recommendation for anyone out there who wants to get involved or, or check us out, whatever platform you're comfortable with, you'll see all of us and all of our content on that specific platform. So you don't have to do a gigantic leap uh, to get out there and, and meet us. I'll say if you want to get a sense of like our, our videos, I think sort of one of the videos that helped define us, especially early on, is a video we did called Trump the Snake, um, which was a super viral video, which lays out that cinematic style that Ben was speaking about earlier. And then I would also recommend people watch one of our recent videos, which is called A Coup in Plain Sight, um, which mm -hmm. is also very cinematic. And it's, it's different from us, but it's like a five-minute short film that breaks down the whole fraudulent elector scam, mm -hmm. everything that happened before January 6th, and everything that's going on right now in state houses across the country um, to try to overturn elections post January 6th. And then to get a sense of our personality, I, yeah, I agree with Jordy, you know, whatever platform you're on, we're most active on, on Twitter, I will admit. Um, and um, our podcasts are, are a great way to know us. We try to, you know, lean, like Jordy said, with that authenticity, just showing people who we are. Um, one of the funny things was early on, this is a, a little exclusive story for, for you guys, Ooh. but very, er, very early on when we started Midas Touch and we were just still a blog, um, we were trying to promote it and we all have other had other jobs um and you know politics and jobs don't often mix um in a, in a way True. you know to be hyper partisan or very political or whatever it is and so we'd be promoting Midas Touch very early on when we had the blog and we started getting questions from our bosses from coworkers, and things what's that thing you keep posting what's this Midas Touch oh, thing wow. and so we each kept pushing it on the other brother and so I would be like ah <laughs> oh, yeah my brother my brother Jordy has, uh, has you know is working on this thing and, and Ben would be like yeah my brother Brett has something you're gonna <laughs> and and we were able to get away with that for the first few weeks but then it became too big and and really you know ultimately when we um, were trying to figure out how do we take this from a primarily digital platform where we're getting all these impressions and things and how do we get you know what if we wanted to get a billboard you know in Pennsylvania mm. what if we wanted to run TV ads what if we wanted to do door knocking what if we wanted to do all these things we had to figure out how the heck you you do that and so you know it first involved talking to a lot of lawyers who know the space and ultimately you know once we became a political action committee um, in order to be able to raise money and get these messages out you know that's when we really committed as to like we need to be out there front and center letting people know who we are what we stand for um, because I think that's really important than people, you know, giving money to a faceless organization that's called the Fight for Democracy group, right. you know, or whatever, who you just have no idea what's happening and, and what they're doing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just always proud that people know who we are. They see the work. They see if we say we're putting a billboard up in X, Y, and Z, they see the result of that. We say we're running a TV ad. They see the result of that. And you that just, was always very You just had a TV us. ad bought by Fox, running on Fox, uh, you know, supporting, you know, Biden's <laughs> first year in office. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we had two uh, over the uh, last weekend on Fox, which was pretty cool. And it came. So a few months ago, we tried to run an ad on Fox that was 
in my mind, extremely tame for, for one of our ads. And it was extremely. using the words <laughs> of the Capitol officers who defended the January 6th, mm -hmm. um, just talking about their stories from the day and how hard, difficult it was for them. And it was a 60-second ad, and we tried to run it on Fox primetime, and they rejected it. And we were shocked because there was nothing controversial about the ad. It was, you know, Officer Fanone. It was the other officers really just straight telling their stories. Um, and so after that, um, it became a big story that they rejected it. So we were like, mm -hmm. I want, it was Fox never going to accept an ad from us ever again after we like made it this huge, like national story. Um, but they did. And, uh, we ran an ad, you know, we, we always try to kind of appeal to that when you go there, you know, what will work for the Fox audience. Right. And so we ran two, we ran one that used Ted Cruz's words to tell the truth of January 6th, because he tried to run away from those words, which were actually, you know, showed a slight hint of integrity for him to actually call January 6th, a terrorist attack. That um, is so generous. And so, <laughs> please, yeah, I didn't think I was going to say anything nice about Ted Cruz in this podcast, believe me. But, um, but so we, we ran that ad and then we ran an ad because, you know, all these Fox News viewers, you know, they love this whole Brandon joke, which they think is hilarious. So we flipped that on its head to give a new meaning to that, which we thought might hook people in, maybe make them laugh a little and open up to the message that, you know, we passed this incredible bipartisan infrastructure bill um, that's actually going to benefit your life. So, you know, you can kind of joke around about this all you want, but you know, here are the facts and here are something that's actually going to be helpful to you in your towns across the country. So. Yeah, I and, love it. And the coolest part about that ad specifically is Brett found words within the speeches, within the speech that uh, Biden was giving that spelt out Brandon. And so the whole motivation of it was this let's go Brandon theme. So you didn't really understand what you were even listening to until you looked, until you were forced to be like, oh, wait, this is what I'm loving? Okay, yeah, this is for democracy. I love it. And, you know, we got our fair share of hate mail, but we got the occasional message that was kind of like, okay, I'll give it to you. That was funny. You know? and, and once you could hook people in with like a little bit of humor, like at yeah. least you have them listening. And then, you know, that's that's all I care about. Well, uh, you guys are doing something that's so important right now, um, and we talk about it a lot on our show, and it's something that's on my mind constantly, is this alternative media landscape where um, right-wing voices are just slaughtering us, right? You know, we're just getting devastated um, uh, with podcasts or, or whatever else. Um, on uh, a recent episode of your show, uh, you all were talking about Neil Young's efforts to remove Joe Rogan from Spotify. And Brett, I think it was you, I'm pulling a quote, said, we need to be uplifting these pro-democracy voices and we need to drown out these other voices. So that's what you're doing right now, building out not just your own stuff, but your podcast network, helping support other voices. We've been working together with uh, MSW Network, our media network. And um, mm -hmm. you know, how, how important, how are you doing that? And, and, uh, and what are your plans for the future to, to keep lifting up other progressive voices? It's the most important, um, simply stated. And we love working with you guys and MSW Network. Like I love what Allison has built there. I think she's just one of the smartest people out there and what she's creating is something super special. And I think what you see on the right is a lot of money um, going into these far right, very radical media conglomerates and are supporting people like Steve Bannon and his podcast and are supporting people like Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro. I mean, that doesn't happen 
on its own. Um, and when you look at the top of the Apple charts or, or wherever, those are the people who are always at the top. Even when you look at, you know, we, we talked to Mary Trump about this, like when her book came out, the top 10 bestsellers on the book list are always, you know, those far right voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important and I think it's often been underlooked by people on our side, the importance of having, you know, good content out there that people could use as rallying cries, as means of organizing and to get these voices out because a lot of the way, in my opinion, that people are being influenced these days are by the internet. And I think you could either be radicalized into like the QAnon world and into bad places, or you could be influenced in a positive way and be encouraged. And, you know, something that's often said to us is, you know, but aren't you guys preaching to the choir if you're doing these podcasts and you're, you know, mm. you want people to get, you know, other pro-democracy books or whatever. But our theory has always been is that we want our choir to sing louder. We want our choir to be bigger yep. and to drown out the voices in the other choir. You know, we want to bring more people into this choir. And that happens by having a platform of influence. And so that's why really um, post the 2020 election and post our efforts in Georgia, a big priority of what we've done has been building up this media company with Midas Media Network. And so we've since released, uh, we have seven podcasts on the network and we're just trying to shift the paradigm here and make it so that there are more pro-democracy voices out there. And it doesn't necessarily even mean that the people who you know, are on the network or, or voices that we support are aligned with our views 100%. I mean, we tend to be right. more progressive on our end. But at the end of the day, we feel like our democracy is at stake. And we want anybody who is on the side of democracy to have their voices heard over the Bunginos, the Shapiros, yeah. the Kirks, you name it, you know. I'll just give you an example. So on the charts yesterday, um, one of the shows on our network, Politics Girl, was number 22 in the nation. Number 23 was Megyn Kelly. Now, Megyn Kelly has a deal with Sirius XM. I think she's getting paid millions of dollars a year. I don't know what it was announced publicly. I don't know if the numbers are accurate. Um, but the fact that we could have a podcast within our network that we've promoted, that's number 22 of all podcasts and news, we want to keep that growing. And that podcast initially debuted at number one of all podcasts in, in all of all news categories. And like now, as I, as we talk here, I was just looking as Brett was answering that we've got a podcast at 36 in the nation. We've got a podcast at 58 in the nation. We've got a podcast at 120 in the nation um, that are kind of charting right now. The other ones are very much well listened to, but that's the effort we want to see all when we look at those charts in the future we want them to be progressive liberal pro-democracy ones and we have to be exciting right we have to be energetic we have to there has to be a little showbiz in it sometimes you know you think about uh, what's going on across the country right now with mit with uh GM investing in Michigan and Intel investing in Ohio. Like we got to go out and do like parties and like celebrate it and and go big. Like I know that stuff sounds corny, but like people want to feel a part of something sometimes. And that's what we try to do is connect people to this broader community. I think that's what you just said. People want to feel a part of something. I think that's what uh, when we're communicating, uh, we tend to forget when we're just spewing facts out is uh, there is like the economy, which is doing great right now. There's jobs, which are, you know, doing great right now. And then there's how people actually feel 
like how they feel about it. And that's where the disconnect comes. And that's where, you know, uh, the kind of stuff that you all are doing. And like you said, it's got to be entertaining. You know, um, you know, you all know how to make videos. You, you're filmmakers and, and know how to do that and resonate and, and connect with people and make people feel a certain way. And that's just so important because sadly, straight up facts and bullet points um, don't do it for most people. Yeah, and one of the things I'm proudest of, and sorry to interrupt, is is that, you know, throughout this process, we've had so many people message us or, you know, speak with us when we hold Zoom meetings with donors or with supporters and things like that, who say, you know, I am 66 years old, I was never politically engaged in my life, mm -hmm. and then I came across you guys, and you guys got me off the couch and out registering voters. You guys got me off writing postcards to people. Love and those that. are the most sort of humbling things to me. And so I think, you know, creating that sort of movement where you excite people and you're able to really engage people is almost just as important or maybe more important than getting people kind of just the raw data and the facts and the information. Yeah, you all have talked um, multiple times now about your supporters and, and people who um, are looking to you to, to get activated. Um, they are called the Midas Mighty. Yes. <laughs> um, what, tell us what they've accomplished since you launched the pack uh, and how, how can people get involved and help out? The Midas Mighty are just the best community of pro-democracy folks in the entire world. I shout them out at the end of every podcast. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Love you guys. Um, <laughs> and it's really just a community of pro-democracy, loving Americans or patriots, actually all across the country, all across the world. Um, we have people in the Midas Mighty. Um, and it takes the shape of, of however you want to get involved. We're not going to put any pressure on you, right? We're going to give you the tools to do text banking and phone banking. And if we can activate you to do that, amazing. We're going to give you the tools to go canvassing. We're going to give you the tools to help us put up billboards all across the country. And you could sort of pick your lane and figure out which role you want to play in this fight to save our democracy. So it's really up to whatever you want to do. We're going to give you all the options. We just want to save this country. I love it. Well, that's very hopeful. Uh, we have one question that we ask all of our guests, and there's three of you all. So, um, uh, you know, whoever goes first will have the hardest time, I guess, or maybe not. Uh, but the question is this, what gives you the most hope for the future? And I'll leave it to the brothers to uh, fight it out who wants to go first. I'll go first. The Midas Mighty give me the most hope for this future because it's the most engaged, passionate audience, just like I was telling you about before. And seriously, every day I wake up motivated by this community that I see, you know, either on Twitter or on Instagram or social media or in real life. And they activate me. They give me hope and me confidence to go forward with this. Leave it to Jordy to take the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I need to snag it before you guys. <laughs> I was going to suggest the How We Win listeners, but whatever. That's, you know. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> Who's I think thinking? you see that there is more democracy-loving people. The true silent majority in mm. our country are most Americans who look at Donald Trump's antics and are disgusted by it, you know, who look at the banning of books and are disgusted by it, um, who look at the LGBTQ plus bans that are taking place and are disgusted by it. You know, most Americans want to take care of their family. They want to just go about their life in peace and they don't want to deal with 
all of this kind of chaos and craziness that exists, you know, and knowing that those numbers are there, it's just activating that. That's the true soul of our country. And the problem that we see sometimes is there's this uh, overscaled reach of these radical extremists because they're just loud sometimes. Right. So what I like to see is the majority being activated. What I like to see is the majority being energized. And, you know, there's always glimmers of hope that we've seen. The election with Donald Trump losing tells me that America is not on the side of a fascist like Trump. But we have to keep that energy into 2022. We have to keep that energy into 2024. And we have to just kind of stay united. And when I see other groups doing what Midas Touch is doing, when I see other podcasts out there that are successful and that are reaching large audiences with these messages, that's a sign of hope not a sign of competition. I would love one day, Our what I've always joked about with Brett and Jordy when we started this is, I'd love for there not to even be a need sometimes for what it is that we were doing at the time. Mm. It's weird that we filled a niche that, mm -hmm. that didn't exist really in the form of the videos and the way we were doing it. But I wanna see other groups do that. And that's what gives me hope when other people are doing it. Love it. Yeah. Brett, your brothers have given you the last word. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll say it's all the people who I see kind of right now in this. Um, I'm not going to call it an off period because we got to be always on right now. But this early on in the midterm cycle, all the people that I see, all of our supporters and and people who even aren't our supporters, but who are out there, who are active, who are organizing, who are knocking on doors. I know we have supporters who are in Texas right now who have been very active trying to get out the word about Beto O'Rourke, which I think is just so amazing to do in January of the election year. And so, you know, I think that's something that you know really gives me hope and seeing these crowds. I mean, if you look at all these Beto O'Rourke events out there in in Texas, um, it's as if he is, he's fighting as if it is the week of the election. And that's what I love to see. And I think just all the feedback that we get on a daily basis really keeps me going. And I'll add to what Jordy was saying too about like getting involved in things. Just look out on our, um, you know, on our Twitter feeds and our Facebook join our mailing list if you want, but we'll let you all know when we have efforts that you could get involved in. One of the things I was most proud of um, in Georgia, in uh, California, in the general election was when we had to then take this Midas Mighty group who we developed and we went, okay, we need to send some text messages. We're going to hit, you know, these important voters in these swing states with the voter rolls that we got. We sent like 5 million texts in like 48 hours. Like it was like, Incredible. like it was, it was outrageous. And the people who we worked with, who did the technology and the consultants who helped put it all together, for, they were like, we've never seen anything like that. Like, like we've like straight <laughs> up never seen anything like that. So like, I would love for, you know, everyone listening to, you know, just follow us and, and be a part of those efforts. And we're really looking to get more engaged at the ground level too going forward. I mean, one of our most exciting things that we did um, was in Georgia when we were knocking on doors and, mm -hmm. and hitting areas that were uh, less well served than, you know, the main cities that were being hit by a lot of campaigns and, and whatnot. And all, all the efforts down there were just so incredible. So I'm excited to ramp up those efforts and, and that all keeps me going for sure. All right. 
ending on a hopeful note. Always appreciate that. Brett, Jordy, and Ben, thank you so much for talking to us about Midas Touch podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And stay positive, everybody. We got this. (laughs) If you put in the work, we could do this. My reason for hope is really quick because I kind of teased it before with the um, the news of the day. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk uh, so much about it. But it's the redistricting uh, information that we're getting getting out because uh, there was a lot of worry that we would you know lose a bunch of seats simply by redistricting, and mm-hmm. um, and it's actually looking to be. Okay, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, the gerrymandering was so terrible 10 years ago that it's been hard for Republicans to improve upon that terrible gerrymandering. Um, and uh, and the other one has been some, like if you look at some maps in New York, the Democrats have kind of seized some opportunities to, to do that too. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I'm... Uh, a little bit more optimistic about what we have to do in the midterms to hold on to the house. So that's the the redistricting news is my reason for hope. That's amazing and so hopeful. Thank you for that. My reason for hope is um, so the the Winter Olympics have started. Yeah, L- Leslie Jones, former SNL cast member and Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. is a. <laughs> is a, a, an Olympics super fan. And since 2016 has been just like live tweeting through the Olympics. Yep. And the she, best a, thing about the Olympics is her live tweeting. Super fun because she's just like, she, you're, you're not getting particularly useful commentary. <laughs> she's so excited about it. That <laughs> uh, it's really fun to watch. Um, and so gasp drama. She starts live tweeting the winter Olympics and she she threatens to quit because NBC was preventing her from she so she sometimes will film her TV screen to show you stuff and they were um, blocking the videos that she was posting. Oh, and that's then, what it was. I heard they asked her to stop tweeting and I was like, what? Well, then also there was, you know, maybe like she was not being encouraged to tweet and maybe um, maybe NBC was hiring people to try to do like kind of funny Olympics commentary as well. And it sounds like she wasn't hired to do anything. So, so anyway, um, she and NBC came to an understanding. She's allowed to post her videos. She, they're not, they're encouraging her to tweet. I will say, listen, pay black women for their work. Okay. (laughs) Leslie Jones should be getting paid because she's bringing she's bringing eyeballs to the Olympics. I do believe she should be getting paid. But if this 100%. is what she does, hundred percent. If this is what she does for fun and she's enjoying it, then I'm glad that she's still doing it. Um, and and that she can post her videos. I still think she should be paid for this. She should totally. She should be a freaking correspondent. She should be on there, like going through the games. They. I hope she they bring her on. Maybe right they will. Now, yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll do that. I, you know, if they're smart. They'll uh, they'll go a step further and like bring her on for some color commentary or as a as a correspondent and stuff. But yeah. So anyway, that's my reason for hope. Leslie Jones. Let's all let's all try to follow our passions and and yeah. get loud till we get paid to do it. <laughs> she is passionate. She does it. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved, so sign up to volunteer now. We have a brand new website at howwewinpod.com. We want to hear from you, so you can reach out to us there. You can send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com. Or you can tweet to us at bluesboysteve and at Mariah underscore Craven. Maybe we can tweet about the Olympics together. I don't know. (laughs) Make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You got to do that. Rate and review us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We really, 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 really appreciate you being here with us. Really, really, really do. With more next Wednesday. See you then. MSW.